Welcome to At Ease, a podcast for colored girls who fled corporate when six figures wasn't enough. Whether you decided to quietly quit, took a leap of faith, pursued your passion over a paycheck, or are building a side hustle, join me each week as we redefine success by reshaping our minds. I combine my lived experience and conversations with entrepreneurs and Black women to leverage thought work, to reconnect with our bodies, combat burnout, and build businesses. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 9 of At Ease. This is Part 2 of my conversation with Aaron Price. If you have not listened to last week's episode, I am going to tell you to press pause and go back and take a listen so that everything that we are wrapping up in this episode actually makes sense. I hope you enjoy the rest of our conversation. That was the first time that I really had the lesson of people will only do to you what you allow them to. Mm-hmm. Because I had definitely put my black woman cape on for them. And so I'm always like, I got it. But it was still coming from the place of, I need you to see me as something more. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you said what what you're saying, like when you you say you saw like a partner coming and going, then they seemed good. At ease. At (laughs) ease. While you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. There's a narrative that I keep seeing. You know, in the online business space, there's a lot of hype. You know, whether it's people talking about scaling, six figures, seven figures. The other thing is delegating, getting other people to do the work. And while delegation is important, it's important to build teams and all of that thing. What I don't like is I'm a dump it for someone else so then I can be at ease, but I'm destroying everyone else in the process. I'm destroying my team in the in the process. And that's why I think something you said that's really important is you're not you were not only responsible for the well-being of the children in the center, but you were also responsible for the well-being of the employees and their families. Mm-hmm. That you had to prioritize their needs as well. And I think that that's something we know it happens in corporate, but there's a way in which people take those same ways. Not that, not that you did, right? But there's a way that people take those same things that they just left corporate because the owner left corporate, right? Yeah, yeah. The owner left corporate for whatever reason and you think you're going to start this business and you're going to be so different than what you just left. And what I hear you saying is that you didn't feel any better. You didn't feel any different. You were still tired, burnt out, not having time with your daughter. Thank God your mama moved in. But also for the owner, for so many black women who leave corporate due to burnout, due to those panic attacks and breakdowns, and then you out here creating the environment that would have other people having a breakdown. Indeed. But I'm also participating in my own misery at that point. Yeah. Not, not, you know, having, I didn't have the presence of mind yet at, in those years for the cycle. Now this yeah. is a cycle. Now this is a pattern. And that you were still doing it from a place of, I need you to see me as more I need you to see me. than yes. a 
teenage mom. Yes. And there's an even bigger dynamic in this, to be perfectly honest, because she was amazing and I learned a lot from her. And the reason that I say it was almost like a an abusive relationship is because she actually did see me. And she used to be mm-hmm. like, and, and I was really how I had gotten all of those clients, childcare clients, because she was the one, even though they could see the fruit, but she was the one that was putting me out there like, oh no, she's amazing. She's dynamic. She can this or that. And the thing is that we were both teenage moms and we had a lot of the same stuff, but now you've up the ante. How did you up the ante? Like you've got a whole business, a whole brick and mortar business. And even at that time, she was up a degree on me and everything. And I thought that was so amazing. And we would share a lot of the same experiences of what we had gone through. And she was really the first person ever in my life in those years that I actually had to talk to about what it was to be a teenage mom because I did not know any other mothers. So that was the other dynamic because I wanted to see her win. And I wanted yeah. to be, you know, a part of that. When did you get to the point where you realized like you were in a business? I realized what I was struggling with was that I, like you, didn't know that intellectual information, knowledge, and all of that. I was stuck with a product. I came from retail. So I, the reason I didn't wrap my mind around being an entrepreneur, because I didn't know what my product was. I didn't, that wasn't tangible to me. And she made it tangible at that time. Like, no, this is the product. Your product is your brain. And I was like, duh, I've been wanting people to say, you know, I'm smart. I'm this, I'm not, you know. Because the reality is you never had, prior to that, to that, you had never packaged it up, named it. It was literally just, can you help me? Yes. Yeah. Um, So EHP services is now a thing. It's a thing. You got clients. I got clients. told you to raise them prices. Contracts. For the most part, for people looking for childcare centers that don't already have buildings, they either want to buy or they need to lease. So now I'm learning mm-hmm. about commercial leases, cam charges, lens. That was when I really learned about the operation of commercial real estate and dealing with the real estate sales agent. And I was like, I can do this. No matter what I'm doing, I like for my clients to feel like we are prepared for the journey that we're on. When you have middlemen, you don't always have all the information unless you have someone that is trying to teach and share that information with you. And so I always felt that as I started to really get into it and really see how the game went and the negotiations and just different things that I could have asked and things that we we could be learning from to do this again, we weren't getting and we, we didn't know these things until we got in trouble. But because our agent, our representative was wasn't sharing and teaching and educating us for us to be better it was always very frustrating to me very Mm -hmm. disempowering because i'm just like the average buyer now we could be looking for eight months you know um and i'm in the same position arian and i don't like feeling helpless and i'm like i don't even know how to get over some of these walls because i don't know what i'm looking for i really don't know what we're looking for you know or what we're running into or how we should be prepared i didn't know how to have that conversation and so i say all of that to say i was like if i'm gonna keep going in this commercial real estate world i think i might want to get my license one day but i grew to love buildings and commercial real estate 
And I thought that that's really what I wanted to do, but God saw otherwise. That was the real reason that I got licensed in 19, okay. just so I could get the information. What I hear you saying is you saw a problem mm -hmm. with how the agent that you were working with as someone who's helping, you're a consultant for these daycares. You have to work with agents to find commercial space and they weren't cutting it. And so you basically said, I think I can do this. There's some things I want to learn and I can do this better. And, you know, one of the things you didn't say it, but I'm going to say it for you because you, okay. you kind of hinted at it. And this would have been my next question is around how mm -hmm. you create AEs in your business. And what I hear you say is you create ease for your clients by making sure they're prepared. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, I would think it's something like real estate. People are spending a lot of money. These are big decisions. Now you're talking, you said in 19, this ain't 08 where you could get a patch of land in Cleveland for three digits. Okay. Correct. Cleveland is still affordable. <laughs> as far as Very. real estate goes, but mm -hmm. it ain't that cheap anymore. So how, now that you're an agent, I basically just told <laughs> how you create ease for your client. Well, that's one way. Yeah. For your clients. Mm -hmm. That's one way you create ease for your clients. How do you overall create ease, not just for in your business, but in your life? In all of those experiences, I did not know boundaries, not for myself. The narrative of, you are supposed to do it however you got to get it done at any expense at your own the own expense of your own happiness your health all of that that narrative is dangerous and it'll take you up out of here what do boundaries look like now cliche but i learned no the first thing i gave up like when i really left corporate america just like i'm done with it i'm gonna do this thing i don't do nothing on monday and that was so empowering. I didn't mind meeting, but I really don't do anything before 12. And I don't come out my house. Okay. That was a big deal. That was amazing. Mm -hmm. And no meetings on Fridays if I can help it. You are used to someone setting your schedule. You got 40 hours. They tell you when you're meeting. They tell you when you're lunching. And then they tell you when you get paid. And it takes a minute to really ease into that. And it can really be tragic. You know, when you really get free, everybody wants to be free. But some people don't know what to do with all of that freedom. You spinning your wheels for a lot of it. Those things, those experiences, that anxiety that sets in, that whole, you know, you're reading all the books, you're listening to all the videos, you're listening to all the people. They all tell you all this stuff, right? You eat what you kill. You don't do this. You're not <laughs> doing this these many hours a day. Some stuff, is, you got to make 30 phone calls a day. You got to. It'll have you crazy. And so it all, all those methods made me crazy. But what I didn't take into account with those methods is that I wasn't considering myself how my own process was like how I talked to myself. You know, I had to remember my own voice to create ease. Nobody tells you to do the things that just feel good. You're taught that the things that feel good are too easy and they're bad for you you know or or they're dangerous and and was actually able to hear what god was telling me that that was okay that my process is feeling through things yeah and so i'm actually lost if i'm not able to feel it everything that i do i have to be able to feel so saying no 
to some things, saying no to some money, saying no to some projects, you know, Mm. because people tell you don't leave no money on the table. But in all actuality, you shouldn't be taking every single thing that comes your way for several reasons, not even for your mental health, but because, yes, there is enough of everything out there. Yeah. And And every every client, (laughs) every client, every bag doing the air quotes is not your bag it's not your client and every time you go again what you intended to do it always goes bad whether you discount a service for a client it goes bad either you feel bad or something goes bad whether you take on this project and you know that you don't have the capacity to take it but you just need it because you need that money and i don't know where the next is coming from like you said, the other yeah, day, the scarcity. And that's, that's, I'm learning those lessons now. People think they're being helpful. They think they're being helpful. Like, this is what worked for me. So this is what you need to do. However, what I learned is why I do have to sit in silence and keep stuff to myself. Because when you think about it, like all of the might and nerve, and for some people, it, I, I shouldn't even say the nerve, but by the time I quit my job, it was easy. Like, I was like, get me the fuck up out of here, okay? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I took a two-week break, made a plan, and then went back and saw one shit gonna change. And I just said, fuck this, right? Yeah. But it took me years to get there. And so when you think about all of those years, even for you, right? You go up and down, back and forth, to go through all of that stuff, to then get to a point where you're like, I can do this. I can do this. For everybody to be able to tell you, nah. To your point around feeling, I think that was the most difficult piece for me. Feeling. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we're not taught to do that. No. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a, I was not a teenage mom, so I don't have that, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know what that's like. But as Black women, I mean, even to just function, you cannot sit and feel everything. In corporate, in the workplace, you have to put shit, compartmentalize and keep it moving. We do it in work. We do it in relationships. And we do it for all the isms, right? Sexism, racism, you know, whatever it is to like push past it. Mm -hmm. And so to like actually sit down and feel like, what does this feel like? It was scary. Scary. Yeah. It was scary to actually like be with yourself (laughs) and your thoughts and your feelings and like actually acknowledge, oh, what I want to do that nobody else understands and people think I'm crazy as hell. This is what I want to do. And I know that it's the right choice for me. The right. And when you know, and that's the thing, you already know you don't want to feel it, but you already know it. And that's why you don't want to feel it. Because then you're scared that now you got to face it and now I have to do something with it. That is also part of our pre-programmed, you know, limited beliefs and things such as that. We don't have any room for feelings. Yeah. Um, Because the logic, the logic, the pre-programming, the history, none of that indicates or has made room for or allotment for feelings, except for when you are alone or when it is just too damn late. And that's the thing. 
that's crazy knowing what i know now about thought work that's what's crazy because everything is a feeling whether you allowed yourself to sit and feel with it you created a feeling right yep. you had a thought that created a feeling that led to an action that led to a result but there's a difference in when you allow yourself to let it sit and pass let it pass mm -hmm. and like be with it versus trying to reject it and that's what we're taught to do is to project it and so then we take our trauma and then we project it on somebody else and then you know oh i said reject oh okay <laughs> we project too we do, yeah. do that too yeah we do that too so i would yeah. let me ask that what role does like feeling and like that somatic awareness play in your business actually everything and i know you've heard me say it before on the phone like let me think let me see how that feels mm -hmm. you do say that you do. Because a lot of times that's my first indication of where we're going. But for me, and, and we had this when we were kids, like you have this with your son. You have no idea you're in some surroundings or whatever, and they are definitely acting different. And you know your kid. They can't verbalize it, but the mama in you and also what they're trying to tell you is wherever we're at, this ain't it, so we about to go. That's nothing but the feeling. My kids don't act like this. Something is not right. You know, when people discount how their kids act around certain people. Mm -hmm. Like we talk about that whole, right. make your kids hug people. No, you don't. Absolutely not. Sitting on so and so lap. Because <laughs> no, they know more than what you think they know, but they know it because of their feeling. They're tapped in and they're okay. And they're not to... disconnected from their feelings. Yes. Yeah that is my thing with God. That is, I, I know that that's how he talks to me first. That's like my nudge. Like if I'm able to just be like, that's like my, so that is my first indication in terms of which way I'm going. And then I can start to process Yeah, whatever it is. And I guess I've been that way my whole life, primarily like when I think about it, every time I went against what I felt, it just did not go well at all. Yeah. And not to get, you know, so churchy, but no matter what people, no matter what people choose to practice, how they choose to practice what they call um, their belief and higher power, there is a feeling. There's a feeling. And a lot of times there's some kind of sound because I do get audible too, but yeah. So I, 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 I tap in that way and then I can create logic from that. So what I hear you saying is you tap into your feelings. Yep. You become aware of what you're feeling and then you can shift your thoughts mm -hmm. if necessary. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. And then if I don't feel anything, like nothing's registering, then I need some more time. That's all. I give myself grace to operate completely off of whatever I feel and whatever comes out of my mouth. Not to say that I'm rude. But we learn in corporate America to have all of the um, proper responses and all of the great email taglines, the nice, nasty, get you together. Per my email, let me get back at you. Great rock star. No worries. No worry. Right. I started to empower myself with, with that same logic to actually say exactly what I'm feeling. No, that is not good for me. But I will get back to you and let you know what does work for me. And if that doesn't work for you, that is also okay. I appreciate the exchange. Thank you and have a great day. And not caring 
what will happen after that. So not and being that attached into- to the outcome. Looking back over, I was going to say over your career, but it feels like career <laughs> does <roller> not <laughs> properly <laughs> summarize what you've described. But as you look back from like the, when you look back at when you said, what is something you know now that you wish you would have known when you got started? Mm. Go to therapy sooner. It's not scary. It's not dangerous. It's going to save you. Even if you don't think that you belong in therapy, we all do in some kind of way. And not only that, but get in therapy before you need to go to therapy now. Because for sure, you will need therapy. Because life is going life. That would be first. Second would be to breathe. Deep breath. (laughs) A lot of times a day. We don't breathe at all. And I think for me, I physically was holding my breath a lot of times because I'm like, one false move and all of this is going to fall apart. And I'm like, and that's going to be on me. So internally, we just, we're just so tight, wound up and tight. And that's why you look around in your late 30s and early 40s and you like anxiety, where'd that come from? All of that wound up, all that energy you've been just winding up and to learn to get quiet, be with, learn to be with yourself and get quiet and trust your own voice. Not that it has to be a silent retreat like me. If you are going to survive this or life or just aging gracefully or whatever, we're so overly, we are so inundated with so much nowadays. There's just too much information. We take in more information in one day than people in medieval times did in their entire lives. Now, granted, their life expectancy probably wasn't quite as long as ours, but still, even if their life expectancy was like age 30, 40, right? That's a lot (laughs) in one day. And even to your point around anxiety, I think, I mean, for any number of reasons, we're black, we're women, you're a, a mother, right? You add the single mother, teenage mother, all of that start, it just keeps adding up. But when you control for all of those other things, entrepreneurs, the average 7% of the population suffers from depression. That Mm -hmm. number goes to 30% when you talk about entrepreneurs. I'm here. And those are diagnosed. (laughs) You have all of that, right. You have all of that already stacked against you. Yes. And you choose you chose entrepreneurship on top of that, right? And you, you chose definitely it. need to breathe and sit in you, silence and get some therapy because you thought it was gonna be easy. And yes. right, we thought it was gonna be easy. We thought we was gonna be free. We was gonna have more time. <laughs> and it's not to say that those things can't come, but it it rarely looks the way that we thought it was gonna look. Correct. It rarely looks the way that we thought it was gonna look. Right? Crazy. Um, but it's fun. Yes, but you have to learn to be quiet and listen to yourself because you will, um, like you said, your experience and talking to your friends. Well, but what you're going to do is you always get all this unsolicited information and you forget what your own voice feels like, sounds like. And for me, what pushed me into going into a silent retreat was, and that silent retreat was the best thing that ever happened to me. 
although I had all these plans about what was going to happen in that exchange, did not. It was better than what I could have ever imagined. When you know you, you can hear you, then you know how to take care of you better. And stop asking the blind to proofread your vision. God did not give anyone else your vision. I don't care if the other individual's company is almost the exact same with a similar name or whatever. You know, as cliche as it sounds, but I like to see that on social media, that that business doesn't have you, so it still needs you. And not to be tied to the outcome, just move in it. You can't be guided, led, or however it is you want to put it, if you can't sit down and be quiet. And if you're listening to all these other people, the reason that you started your business or started on this journey or came up with that product, I'm confident that that is not the ultimate end to it. That was just the start. And it's going to change. Be okay with it changing names. Be okay with being flexible with, with the whole thing. Reinvent yourself a million times over. EHP services, I like legit put it to bed. EHP services can no longer go on with me for several reasons, but because I could feel and I know, and this was actually a result of my um, silent retreat, that it was really revolutionary in my life. It changed the trajectory of my life. Its only purpose was to show me that I did have another mission and that me being an entrepreneur was possible. But it also was rooted in a lot of trauma, a lot of very traumatized and troubled everything created EHP services. I wasn't even that person. Like I didn't even, as much as I love it, I just didn't want to be identified with it anymore. And so I rebranded it and started calling it something else. And then I was able to dream again. But I say all of that to say to not to be afraid to transition, change, start new things, add different products, become someone else. Just keep trying, just keep dreaming. That's the whole thing about always being tapped into your emotions and your feelings of your business and yourself. And then just honor yourself in that and always have you some theme music. I love it. I love it. Oh, thank you, Erin. Thank welcome. you so much. I appreciate it. Where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram at Pink Door Real Estate. And from there, you have my link. You have all of my info, my email address, my bio. Check me out over there and you'll find me anywhere else from there. But thank you for having me. I am Thank so you. Thank you for coming. I, I'm <laughs> grateful. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you like what you hear, please leave me a five-star review and share with a friend. I hope to see you back here next week for another episode. And until then, at ease.